is a bold essay in the art of the macabre. A venture to the ultimate reaches of terror. A motion picture definitely not for the squeamish. And we beg you, as the tension builds to the screaming point, as shock after shock assaults your senses, try to remember that this is only a motion picture. Welcome to the latest episode of the podcast, That Wouldn't Die. I'm your host, Kevin. With me, as always, is Aaron. Hey there, kids! This week, we'll be discussing the horror classic, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. And when I say classic, I mean classic in terms of age as much as anything. Starring Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Hey, it's old, but it stands up, brother. It stands up. And it's no older than Psycho, which we also haven't discussed on the show. But I love Psycho. I'd love to discuss it at some point. Love Psycho. Um, it's good to I have I have a confession for you, Aaron. Yeah. I have never seen whatever happened to Baby Jane before. Do you know there's also never. a drag version of it? <laughs> that is the least surprising thing I've heard all day. <laughs> Let me tell you. One look at did Betty you, Davis, I'm like, whoa. Did, oh my god, Betty Davis. I mean, clearly that's the better. You know, if you have two choices, you want the Betty Davis role. That that is just the best. Oh, absolutely. Well, I read that. Well, first of all, Joan Crawford's eyebrows were very distracting. And she was supposed to be the normal. I guess those are just her regular eyebrows, but they're like two inches. Uh, It's half painted. All those old ladies back then, it was all like shaved off and repainted in. But they show you all the old pictures from when they were young. I mean, they were both gorgeous. I mean, Joan Crawford was gorgeous before she became this. Before she came this. uh, a caricature, like a caricature of herself. Right. We're, I mean, we're going to talk about all this good stuff, but go ahead. Did you watch the Ryan Murphy uh, movie about them? Okay, this is important. I had heard, because I, I was obviously aware of whatever happened to Baby Jane. So when right. the, it was called Feud, Betty yes. and Joan or something like that. And it started. Fantastic. Um, uh, Susan Sarandon. Yeah. And and the one whose name just jumped right out of my brain. Who's the other Oh, one and I just it? looked it up too. Crap. Uh Jessica Jessica Lang. Jessica, Jessica Lang. Lang. Is the other one. And so literally I started watching it last night. I found it very interesting. It's fantastic. Knocks right. it out of the park. Oh, Ryan because Murphy. My, he's he a touch of gold. Stuff. He's yeah. He's a touch of gold. So he is, does this he is an American treasure. Damn it all to hell. Uh, no, because it's like I was vaguely aware that there was some kind of tension, if you will, between the, the leads in this movie. Uh, but I like I know there are scenes from this movie that are always in like the hundred scariest moments in American history. You know, um, there's this I, I think it's specifically the scene where um, Joan Crawford opens up the platter to reveal that huge rat. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's a good one. And the other scene they talk about is where uh, Joan Crawford goes to Betty Davis like you wouldn't be able to do this stuff to me if I wasn't in this chair. And she turns around and goes, but you are Blanche. You are, you are that Blanche. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. It's good stuff. I'm not going to lie. I it, think did, didn't, uh, didn't one of our sisters uh, dress up as Joe, uh, not Joe Crawford, but Betty Davis for one Halloween? I think Megan did. Is that, that you may be right. That that is that is comedy and horror gold all rolled into one. So, solid gold, baby. Solid gold. Well, let me do my 30-second review. Hit me. You get you got like a spoiled rotten uh Shirley Temple back in the old vaudeville days. And uh the, the father is totally a stage daddy, forsakes the the other daughter and the wife. They, which were the two sour pickle children. I mean, they couldn't be more grumpy. Uh, I mean, I'm sure little Shirley Temple was a monster. So cut ahead to the future. Those child stars never quite turn out the way they are. Now Sourpuss' uh, sister is the queen of Hollywood 
and she is putting in her sister that there's a writer that you know for every movie she makes you got to put my sister in a movie and then whammo crasho some mysterious accident and now uh the older sister who's the queen of hollywood is now paralyzed so cut to like 30 years later they're living in uh, a house in hancock park old and and away from society and the younger or the older sister i don't know which is which but shirley temple's uh, a crazy al- alcoholic who's still walking around like she's a baby doll. Bad business ensues. Nobody is, dies. I mean, oh, pardon me. The stars don't die. Other people die. I, when it, like one person dies. Yeah. Poor Elvira. Poor-, poor Elvira. And I'm not really sure uh, how Betty Davis dealt with that because I think she's tiny as a pixie. Oh, trust me. I have no. Do you about remember many our Aunt things. Marge? Yes. Aunt Marge was as small as a pixie. She brought like old costume clothes from the family from like the 1800s, and even eight-year-old children, or at least eight-year-old Doherty's, couldn't fit into it. And no question, 75 pounds soaking wet. Yes, uh, absolutely. <laughs> no question. Now, okay, I like I had said, I had seen like scenes from this, but I'd never seen it uh, from top to bottom until this viewing. I don't ago. even know how you call yourself a Doherty. I think mother made us watch it or something. I don't know. It was like a requirement. I, I absolutely recall walking through and seeing certain scenes uh, with the Doherty family watching where I was literally like just bamboozled. I had no idea what was happening. I'm like, why is she mean to the woman in the wheelchair? Why is there a rat right, on so- the plate? Why, why should there? Why isn't there a rat on every place? Well, here's a, this is we're in an interesting situation because it's usually me watching your shows that true. I have never seen from the '80s. So now you're watching one of my shows from the '60s, from your youth, from my youth. <laughs> I, I think I was going through my first divorce around 1966 <laughs> when this came out. Oh my God! Wait before you say anything else. Joan Crawford and Betty Davis were both about 55 in this movie, by the way. I mean, in, in Feud, they're being played by women well into their late 70s. It so, was a different time, man. Different time. Well, if you look at, remember Sunset Boulevard? I mean, Gloria how Swanson. old was... Yeah, but she's in her 40s. Right. And no how old was... What's his name? Wilford Brimley. <laughs> He's not no, no, no! Like, you're talking. <laughs> you're talking about. Uh, oh, oh crap! I just William Holden. Too, William Holden. William Holden. Yeah. William Holden. All right. So how old's William Holden? Like 29 here in Sunset Boulevard. William Holden was in the ground by 45. Yeah. It was a hard so life. He looked like he was 50, and he's—I'm sure he wasn't in his 20s, but he was probably in his early 30s. Right. Um, right? It was a hard life. I mean, she's probably, Gloria Swanson probably had 10 years. And by the way, she her skin was perfect. She may have been crazy, but she had perfect skin. Okay. I want it in the record that nobody under the age of 50 knows is what the hell we're talking about. Noses. That's because, let me tell you why. This is a this has got to be a, a Gen X thing. We still remember the fact that there are only 12 channels. So... God forbid you would go play a board game or write a novel. You just watch whatever the F was on. That is true. And it was old movies in the afternoons or whatever. That was it. Before cable, before VHS, you watched it. Why? Because it was on. I mean, I was watching on Sunday afternoons freaking Three Stooges shorts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, that was just a thing. That, I mean, those things must have been 50 years old if they were a day. Laurel and Hardy. Okay, that, that's too old for me. No, no, no. It was around the same time. Like, like there was a renaissance. Remember, we used to watch, like, um, Buckwheat and Alfalfa. Uh, our gang, Little Rascals. Little Rascals, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because they needed to fill those 12 channels that all signed off at midnight anyway. It's sad but true. Okay, so when did you first encounter whatever happened to Baby Jane? I'm sure I was young. 
I have no idea. I'm sure it was on TV. It was probably a Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, creepy peepy, and then we just watched it. Okay. And, and folks, I don't know why we call it creepy peepy. Maybe it's so creepy it makes you go peepee. <laughs> but that's just something we used to say in the Doherty family. I've never heard that term before in my life. Well, so it was for the, the first family, not the second family. <laughs> clearly, clearly. <Sweet laughs> Jesus. Are you ready? Should we just jump right in? I thought we already had Brother Bear. We're bouncing all over the place, let me tell you. You want to start? Well, what do you think? Are we going? Are we doing re our reviews right now? Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> all right, never mind. Never mind. All right. All right. What are you? I can't. I threw it to you, and you said, all right, and then sat in silence. Would you like me to go first? That, I thought you would ramble on because I was trying oh, to read my Jesus. notes, and then I noticed there was a lot of dead air. Yeah, I noticed that as well. So did our audience. I um, just have sour sisters because, because you know what? Here, here's the thing. Play it on me. I'm not going to reveal the end, but I'm just going to give you an interpretation. Okay. I always thought the end, which I'm not going to say what it is, was her just saying something to chill sister out. Yeah, but this, this movie is 75 years old. You can reveal <laughs> the spoil alert at the end if you want. Well, at the, at the end, yes. they're at the beach because, uh, because, uh, Betty Davis's character has killed the maid and like the jig is up. Right. So she panics. Cops are on she the way. drags her. Right. Cops are on the way. They've already knocked on the door. Where's Elvira? So she grabs her crippled sister who she's had tied up in bed and not feeding or giving her water and drags her out to the beach and just kind of lays her on the beach. So at one point, Joan Crawford's character says, it's not your fault. I was the one who was angry because you had been making fun of me and I'm the one who crashed the car. It's my fault. Let's, let's set that... this up. Uh, okay. Let's set this up at the height of Joan Crawford's powers, right? It cuts to a scene where, um, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford are driving home and they have one of those big old gates and one of them gets out of the car and is opening the gate and all you see is the other person's like hand, like put the car in gear essentially and floor it and guns it guns it yeah. and tried to run down the other smash cut right. 30 years later, Joan Crawford's in the wheelchair and everybody thinks that Betty Davis in a fit of jealousy because you know, baby Jane's career has gone down the crapper and she's a drunk. She's a mess. She's, a she's mess. just a, so, so it, I always just assumed that she was telling her sister that it wasn't her fault just to appease her so she could get help because it immediately calmed her sister down. But this time when I listened to it, I'm like, what if she's saying the truth? I absolutely think she was saying what? the truth. I have never considered that till this time. So in a way, she deserves everything she got. Well, okay. This is this is interesting question. So, what if? No. What if? Dig this, and then we could actually tell people what the hell's going on <laughs> instead of just my conspiracy theories. Go ahead. What if Blanche Joan Crawford was forcing the studios to put her sister in shitty movies? Well, we don't know that. We don't know that. We don't know that. We but what if? Well, and that's because they are forcing her to put her into movies versus, you know, just letting her career die naturally. Right. It's, I kind of feel that we don't always know. What if she's, we don't always know, but yeah. Because I was like, it didn't make sense, but I guess you could break your back running your giant steel car into steel iron gates. This part is kind of, yeah, I had questions about that. So, yeah. The reveal is she, Joan Crawford, Blanche, the quote unquote good sister, uh, got pissed off because Betty Davis was drunk as per usual and was making fun of her at a Hollywood party type, essentially. Right. So she's like, even though for the last 20 years, I've basically written it into my contract as a big star that you have to put Betty Davis, uh, baby Jane in these movies, even though she blows, 
Now I'm right. pissed off because one time she got drunk at a party and made fun of me. So now I'm in a murderous rage. Well, I, I gotta believe because they were, I mean, the best part is you see the, these uh, studio moguls watching films of these early Betty Davis things where she was fine, but they're like, oh my God, she's so terrible. <laughs> these were real? There was nothing wrong. These were real clips from real yes. movies. Real clips of real movies from Betty Davis, like in her heyday. And these studio times are like, oh, oh yeah. man, what kind of accent was that? Is, that? is she doing a Southern accent? I don't know what that was. We're going to shelve this movie. Maybe we'll send it over in Europe. Who cares? And I kept thinking, I mean, maybe you know something from the Ryan Murphy show. Is Betty Davis cool with the, who these guys critiquing literally her real roles and, and talking trash about it in the course of this movie? I don't know. Well, you got to watch it because, of course, as soon as Betty gets on set, she immediately takes the director as a lover, uh, blowing up her own marriage just so she kept getting better and more screen time, more Spoiler screen alert. time, more screen time. Well, Spoiler alert. Well, and this is the thing. I read I read uh, behind the scenes on this where they talked about how these two actresses who, who were rivals, let's just say. they People say they hated each other, but they were basically rivals for similar roles around the same time. Right. But they were kind of playing in a way to type in this movie because Betty Davis always kind of played kind of these fiery, spunky types and Joan right. Crawford often played kind of like the down on their luck. Oh, we hope that they can make it. Good luck, Joan. You can do it. I always had to work for everything right. that they got. Yeah. Right. So that's, it was kind of like, kind of, especially for Betty, Betty Davis, kind of a, a bizarro uh, extension of kind of roles that they used to play in their heyday. Because they were both has-beens when they made this movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, by the time men worked forever, right. women, by the time they started getting into their 40s, they were, especially in old Hollywood, and even now, they're in the dustbin. Absolutely. No, I mean, no question. Now, it's interesting because watching this, I actually found Joan Crawford more compelling. I thought her, her the way she reacted to things was very sincere uh, you could you kind of you very easily empathize with where she was at, whereas now Betty Davis obviously that's the more fun role. I mean, who wouldn't want to be the kooky, crazy sister downstairs with the pigtails and oh your hair God. running wild? Absolutely, dressed like she's in the 1920s, with, with still the the locks from when she was 12 years old, right. the Shirley Temple curls. Oh my God. Absolutely. But, but I, I kind of appreciate the subtle realism of Joan Crawford's uh, uh, role. Now, that being said, there's a bizarre moment where she basically does like wheelies in her wheelchair in her room screaming, ah, she's rolling around. It's like, okay. I, get, I get it. I get it that you're frustrated, but this is a bizarre reaction to that. Come on. Good times. First of all, hit me. Well, th I get this from Feud, which you haven't seen yet. The, I think you'll notice through the film that uh, Joan Crawford starts looking younger and younger. Oh, maybe. And her so. skin is smoother and smoother by the end. Right. So that was a huge complaint that Betty Davis. That Betty Davis, like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> because they started needing more and more uh, screen time because. Uh, Joan wouldn't get shot by the end just to piss everybody off until she looked absolutely perfect. And she was like, the, the complaint was she was looking younger as the movie progresses. <laughs> I could see that. They had their own little revenge. If you can't sleep with the director, you might as well just be a pain in the ass. So much so that they disinvited her to uh, Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. Yeah, same director. Betty Davis, and she was supposed to star opposite yeah. again. They they gave her the hook. Who did they bring in? Olivia de Havilland or somebody? Yeah, Olivia de Havilland, yeah. who always was a little crazy to begin with. She could have been Baby Jane. They are all crazy, and I'm going to talk about this in behind <laughs> the scenes. But when I saw <laughs> when I saw old Baby Jane rolling around, I first thing I thought was Witchy Poo from H.R. Puffin Stuff, if you remember that. just H.R. Puffin Stuff. She's had a, Where you go when things get it was, it was that creepy kind of witchy look on her face. Because it's all the the horrible tons of makeup all over her face. It's like almost kabuki. Yes. Except for the deep, deep wrinkles in the smoker's lines. Uh, 
awful. That's the scariest part, frankly. I know she smelled like Paul balls and whiskey. No question. And mothballs and maybe like a rose. Our elderly relatives who passed away before uh, you were born always smelled like rose. or It's like they bought perfume in the Victorian era and just kept using it. <laughs> I don't think they were quite that old. But yeah, I take your point. Good times. Um, I kept thinking, Blanche... Your sister is slowly murdering you in a variety of ways, making you afraid to eat and then not just not feeding you. You have a window. Why aren't you shouting? I mean, ostensibly, she's afraid of what her sister will do. What, starve you more? Yeah, because this really takes place over a couple of days. I, it's it's really like it escalates fast. It's like boom, boom, boom. But one, your sister's a bitch, so you don't have enough for an apartment to send her off in. Why does she got to live with you? And two, you're in a wheelchair. Why the F are you living upstairs? Right. <laughs> Why is your apartment's up the craziest, hugest stair? It's like the Taj Mahal. And there's your little room at the top. What was, how did they get your ass up there in the first place? I mean, at one point. Exactly. At one point, and you never leave the house. You don't go to the doctor. Betty Davis, what, throws you over her shoulder and, and carries you down the stairs? Well, she's, she's met with Dr. Shelby in the past. It's just not Well, he anymore. must come to her. But there's a scene where Blanche, with her crippled legs, like basically drags her body down the stairs to try to get to the phone. Betty Davis finds her, knocks her unconscious. And then I was like, uh, do you have some kind of pulley system? How are you getting her unconscious form up those huge stairs by yourself, 75-year-old granny? Yeah, it's all bad. It's all bad. You don't want any of that going on in your life. You do not. And where did this house come from? Because they were talking about how she is buying Valentino's old mansion. This is not a mansion. This is a smaller house. It's, in Hancock it's a good Park. sized. It's a you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's a nice house. It ain't Pickfair. It's Fair. not Valentino's old right. house. Yeah, you're, right. you're absolutely right. It's, it's not some huge compound. Clearly, they're not in that house anymore where she got run down or whatever. Because there's not a huge no gate no. It's it's a good sized upper middle class house. That's what I would say. I would say. But I mean, clearly she's still getting checks in the mail because that's a bone of contention. But she's seen no one. Right. Except for Elvira, the cleaning lady who comes once a week. Wouldn't you just kill yourself if, if you had to just sit in the tiny room with your canary smoking your palm malls and what, reading the Reader's Digest books or whatever, and you have your crazy sister. You, you are right. It escalates quickly. Because for 30 years, I guess, without incident. It's been all cool for 30 years. And it seems to me that if somebody's trying to run over somebody, it ain't so it cool. It ain't so cool. It's, it's what we say in the biz. Because... <laughs> that's, that's biz talk, kids. That's biz talk. <laughs> because you're at, but it was, I think it's like Blanche starts talking to Dr. Shelby about getting her sister sent to what? the senior center for, for insane former child stars. I don't know where she, where she wants to send her. Do we know what the issue is? It is a hundred percent. It's like one of the kids from the little princess is there. You got uh, one of the girls from an old black beauty. And then you got Betty, and Davis there's Betty Davis. At, the, at the, at the home for the uh, criminally insane child stars, former child stars. Former no question. Star. Todd Bridges is there. Um, no offense, Todd, if you're listening. Uh, but All the Corys that ever were are secretly living on that island with Elvis. <laughs> now it's an island. I love it's like we're 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 airdropping them in, basically. Once they uh, reach a certain age, exactly. Um, but it's, it's the island of Doctor Bombay. <laughs> Emergency, come right away. Is. So is that the inciting incident, basically, <laughs> that Blanche has now decided after 30 years, I'm shipping my crazy sister off somewhere? and Because because they blocked the delivery of the grocery store. And I wish I could call someone, bring me six bottles of gin and a couple of bottles of scotch and put it on my tab. That was the so I thing. think 
That's old olden days. I remember uh I remember going to the ice cream man in kindergarten, trying to get some ice cream and tell him to charge my parents. And they're like, no. <laughs> That's not gonna work. No, no, I look, I understand DoorDash and Uber Eats and Amazon Fresh. That's not my complaint. The issue that she's like, yes, I need six bottles of gin and three bottles of scotch. Oh, having a party, are you? No, just for myself. And one glass, please. <laughs> and a straw, <laughs> if you will. Just a single straw. That's all I need. And I don't know. See, I don't know uh, hard liquor drinkers. If you're that kind of an alcoholic, do you just pick one or you just mix it up? I just like to mix it up. You know what I'm saying? I just mix it up. I was- I'm just going to, at one point, she has a tumbler glass, like an iced tea glass, which it looks like iced tea, but I guess it's just scotch. Straight scotch. <laughs> No, I was laughing. You just kind of heat it up on the stove before you That's drink it. That's all you it. need. I was teasing over the summer. I was teasing some friends because they were drinking gin. And I'm like, are you 75 years old? I'm not drinking gin. That's what I think about whiskey. Well, okay. Gin. There's gin and juice, gin brother. And gin juice. and juice. No, I'm not. So? Look. Tequila. Now whiskey, that's a hundred year old thing. I don't care how trendy you. What about like bourbon? That's even more. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. I'm not. Look. Yeah. You're, you're, you're playing golf. You, you walk around 24 seven, like you're playing golf. Those dudes with their, their shiny collared shirts. That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the people drinking bourbon. Yeah. Not I said the, I don't drink much truth be told. But if I'm on... And it's not bourbon? <laughs> Look, if I'm not drinking bourbon, I ain't drinking anything at all. That's... that's. <laughs> yeah, I'm Betty Davis. Well, you know, in the in the, uh, in the the Phoenix family, that's my mom's side of the family, that's what you put in the eggnog. It's Jack Daniels. I thought you put rum in with bird. the eggnog. No? Is it is it Jack? Yeah, normal people. Yeah. The Phoenixes always put Jack Daniels in. And it was just a splash of the nog, if I remember correctly. Just a little splash for color. No? Just for color. Just to lighten up the whiskey a tad. Just, just a splash, if you will. Um, so, there's no reason she can't yell out the window to the very noisy neighbors next door who absolutely notice nothing, by the way, who are constantly going, hey, how's it going? There's a teenager over there. Someone must be going in and out all effing day. No question. I also well, I really think the catalyst too uh, of the violence yes. is the sister knows what's going on that she's selling the house and putting her ass in a crazy home. Right, That's she's going to sell their house and <laughs> and put her in the island of misfit uh, former child stars. No question. Exactly, she's already been practicing her signature. She's already been cashing checks. Oh, and the voice. Uh, do it as the she voice. Pleases. She's practicing. Oh, that's, Betty Davis. That is the shittiest part. That's the shittiest Well, part. I wrote down lip syncing, and I was complaining earlier about little baby Jane in the past doing her singing and dancing, let me sing one for daddy stuff. That was horrendous lip syncing. I've written a letter to daddy. That's it. Exactly. His address is heaven above. Now. You could replace her with the crazy kid from the Bad Seed. Yes. They are dressed almost the same. Absolutely. What did she ever do? Whatever happened to the Bad Seed? That should be the next movie. No, that's like Mary McCormick. She became she was somebody famous. No, she wasn't. I gotta not. look it up. She that was it for I Bad swear seed. to you. We're we're all over the map in old black and white horror movies from the sixties, by the way. It's all black and white, and it's all children gone bad. I wondered about the bizarro subplot of the pianist, who the out-of-work piano player who like does a, a fake English aff- affectation because his mom is English, like his mom is Katie Nana from, from Mary Poppins. It is Katie Nana! <laughs> it's Katie Nana! Oh. So, what is it? Baby Jane is like, well, I'm starving to death, my my famous sister. So I'm going to go back on the road as baby Jane at 75 years old. So I got to hire right. a, an accompanist 
but how he's kind of, he still lives at home with his mom. He's not as nearly as accomplished as she thinks. And she's paying him to play her old songs. And there's a point where she says, I have to go get my costumes for the show that I'm putting on. And she goes literally to the Western Cowboy Costume Company. So there's a place evidently on Wilshire Boulevard that only sells or rents cowboy costumes. Well, it's Hollywood. So they <laughs> they probably outsourced everything. Well, but the, the real okay, look, I get it. It's Hollywood. You're going to have like costume stores or whatever, costume rental places. But the fact this whole place is devoted just for cowboy costumes. I guess there were a lot of cowboy shows on TV at that time. Is that the explanation? Mm-hmm. Well, that is true. Westerns were huge forever from the silent film up through the 50s and a lot of t- Western TV shows. All right. Speaking of which, the bad seed was in Wagon Train. That's all you got. No, she was no. The star of the bad she worked seed, for and then years. She was, on Wagon Train. she was on Desperate Housewives. You are crazy. I got it right it? here. She was on Frost Nixon. She played Pat Nixon. Did you watch Frost Nixon? She is alive and working watch. right now. You are out of your damn mind. Now we're both looking this up. This is good pod. Uh, dude, this, she was at the Sopranos. Bad scene. Liz LaServa. She's uh, working, working, working. She was on... Patty McCormick? Yeah. Is that who you're talking yep. about? Yeah. I'm Wait, not saying... Rhoda, she... Yeah, Rhoda Penmark. She was on The Ropers. Yes, I didn't even know that was a... F- Magna P.I. Murder, crazy. she wrote. No she's done 12 different versions of The Bad Bean. But she was on Frost Nixon. She was on Criminal Minds, uh, Private okay. Practice, Heart of Dixie. The, let's, the Bad Seed Returns, which is coming out this year. Even badder. <laughs> Even badder. A badder scene. Look. All okay. right. We're just drifting. You know I got attention we're deficit drifting. on old horror movies. Clearly. Patty McCormick, wherever you are, we appreciate you. She's the hardest working woman in show business, but she's by no means Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. Can we stipulate I will, that I will much? stipulate to that. But she is also not like the, the crazy people from uh, all the Andy Warhol Bugsy, movies. Bugsy Malone. <laughs> Bugsy Malone. Um, so there were multiple times where I felt like Elvira made a bad move. Yeah. Elvira and, and Blanche had a special friendship, right. basically. And Elvira was like, you got to do something about your crazy sister. She cray. You got to do she something. She talks to her. Elvira talks to Betty Davis like she's a child. Right. Like she's insane. And it's insane. But child. at one point, young lady, you better put that, put that ax down, young lady. <laughs> Pretty much. It's a paraphrase. So Elvira <laughs> Elvira shows up one day and baby Jane's like, hey, you know what? I, I got up early and did all your chores. Here's 15, Here's your pay, your 15 bucks, which seems very low, by the way. Uh, see you next week. And Elvira's like, uh, shouldn't I check in on Blanche? She's like, no, she's sleeping. She's like, okay, deuces. And then just leaves. You know she's crazy. Mm-hmm. You can't just be like, okay, you, you say she's asleep? Okay, I'll, I'll leave. Mm-hmm. And you've done all the chores? Unbelievable, but hey, give me the 15 and I'm out. Dude, out. Out. Now, later, Elvira comes to her senses and is like, I'm going in to see Blanche. Because at this point, she shows up again. Yeah. And Baby Jane's like, here's another 15. Hit the road. And by the way, you're fired because you're asking you're too fired. many questions. Yeah, that, and that really puts her over the edge. She's like really suspicious for that. So she goes in and basically can't get into Blanche's room. Blanche isn't answering. Um, so she's getting like a hammer and a screwdriver to try to break into the room. Yeah. And that's when baby Jane comes back. And baby Jane opens the door. And there's Blanche, literally tied to her bed, trussed up, and arms in a horrible position, gagged. Like up, she's sitting up. It's really one of those those uh, 
handle things over the bed to help people in wheelchairs pull themselves up. She, she's tied right. in an upright position to that gag. And then Elvira makes the fatal mistake of every horror movie. She put- it was so freaking ridiculous. She had a hammer in her hand and she puts the hammer down to go and then goes, turns her back on Betty Davis and rolls in there to look at Blanche. Oh my God, what happened? Why are you mumbling at me? Why are you gesturing with your head at me, Blanche? What do you mean? You mean, why are you pointing at your sister over my shoulder? I don't understand. Crack. And that's the end of Elvira. Yeah. She put the hammer down, but she didn't put the hammer down like she should have. <laughs> you damn right. If you're going to put the hammer down, you got to really put the hammer down, <laughs> Elvira. And we don't know what happened to Elvira's body. It could just be under under Blanche's bed. We have no idea. We don't There's know. No she clearly couldn't have taken it anywhere. I don't know how she got Joan Crawford's body in the car. Because we, of course, don't see that. And then... And I mean, you see her dragging her, dragging out of the room, but we don't see how she gets her down the F stairs. Maybe she just rolls her down. Look, let's be honest. Betty Davis, she's spry. Okay. She's she's strong as an ox. She's wiry. There is the scene where she does, she seems to have Elvira wrapped in like plastic or something and is stuffing her corpse in the back of the car. Oh yeah. When the nosy neighbor rolls up and is just like, What's up? How's it going? What are you doing back there with the plastic wrap? Why is there an old corpse hanging on the back? I'm sorry, of the- I thought it was one out. of the Manson kids uh, lurking around the neighborhood. But as long as it's Pretty just much. you, I mean, could Elvira still be in the back of the trunk of the car? I don't know. It's anything. She coming? Was she going? Today. Was she coming? Was she going? And that's that's the inevitable downfall because uh, the accompanist kind of figures out shit's crazy up in here and he runs off and I guess off camera tells the cops, right? There's, there's things that happen in this movie that are off camera. Like for example, earlier in the movie, when Joan Crawford is now the big star, they yada yada that. Yeah. Like there's no explanation why baby Jane, it went from big star in the vaudeville circuit, evidently to worthless and her sister's now a huge star. Just suddenly as if somebody waved a magic wand. Right. By the way, you're a big star now. So, good times. What else you got? You got anything else? Mm, there's just so many good stuff. Yeah, it's very interesting. Some of the good stuff about Betty, uh, Betty Davis is she's always telling people, don't you? Know, people who are clearly 40 years younger than her. Don't you know who I am? It's like 1965, and she was like a star in 1912. She she was a star in 1912 on stage. On vaudeville. So she's asking people in their 30s, don't you know who I am? Why? She was big in the Catskills, basically. And she's in L.A. now, 75 years later, going, maybe you recognize me. And people are like... The funny thing is they make it, everyone makes a face and then says, oh, of course. Everyone was much more polite in the 60s. Is that what it is? Right. Like, (laughs) I don't know who you are, lady. Right. Exactly. This is LA. Okay. (laughs) I'm not, you're not going to tell me something about, yeah, well, I was, I was big. I was big in the Catskills in 1912. That's right. Before the First World War. Uh, yeah, that's not going to get you any. That gets you nothing. Um, nothing, I tell I love you. In the final, I love in the final scene where literally Blanche is just expiring in the sand on a busy public beach and no one seems to notice. She's been there since like the night. And eventually right. she starts cooking in her little wool burrito until her sister pulls back the blanket and still nobody notices. And that's where she looks her very youngest because she's laying back so her skin's all smooth and laying flat. <laughs> that's what happens just as you were about to expire on the hot uh, summer sand <laughs> with 70 people walking around stepping over your corpse. Very but, sad. Well, at the end, when Betty Davis gets up and starts dancing with her ice cream, people are like, I. <laughs> they were not uh, appeasing her anymore. They're like, get the F away from crazy lady and her ice cream. 
I love it. I love it. it is yeah, all my, all my crap is all like behind the scenes stuff. Shall I mean, we go behind it's a the classic. Scenes, it's a classic, especially if you have a sister. <laughs> especially if you have a sister that you secretly hate. Then it's perfect for you. Uh, do you want to? Do you have some behind the scenes? Do you want to hit it up first? Well, one of the one of the stories is that that scene where um, after Elvira's been killed and Betty Betty Davis is dragging Joan Crawford out. So supposedly Joan Crawford had tied all these weights to herself so that she was oh, really? like fifty pounds heavier. That's hilarious. Classic. That's good stuff. Betty Davis did all her own makeup and she said she was inspired by these old women that she would see walking around LA where it's that thing where it's like, clearly they ha- they don't wash their face. Right. They just get up each morning and add another layer of makeup. And Betty Davis's daughter who played the teenage right. next neighbor literally saw Betty Davis in her makeup. And was like, mother, you've gone too far. You've gone too far, mother. This is too much. Because evidently, to to get the look that she wanted, no self-respecting makeup artist would do it. Because they wouldn't want their name on it. Right, right. They're like, screw that. You're on your own. But it worked. It was dynamite. Well, the daughter is quite a terrible actress. She's in one scene or two scenes. Oh, she, she was stiff. And she was trying to break in, too. So at least her mom gave her a handout. But, of course, she ended up writing a tell-all book about her mother, too. Well, this is the thing. This is the thing. Um, right after Joan Crawford died in the late 70s, her adopted daughter wrote a tell-all book, Mommy Dearest, which became the movie... Uh, starring Faye Dunaway. That was universally panned. People said Faye Dunaway was ridiculous. It is. <laughs> it's it's camp. But I will tell you, it's everyone I knew read that book. That was a hot book when it came out. And I was in but, high school. I was like 15. and Everybody read it would pass it along. It was like... <laughs> now, people say that it was bullshit. Basically. like the uh, She had two other adopted children who said... You know, she was strict, but she never abused us. And basically every like famous, even Betty Davis came to Joan Crawford's defense, basically saying, you know, we didn't see anything like that. Yes, she was strict, but we didn't see anything. So, yeah, but, you know, I mean, I mean, anything is possible. I've all I've heard all that stuff, too. But, you know, different people have different relationships with their parents. That's true. It's absolutely true. But it's you're right. That's interesting. That I mean, she's a movie Betty, star. Do you think you're going to beat your child in front of Betty Davis, who, who's your rival in all things? She, Get she back over here, Christina. Let me, Joe, Betty's here. Let me slap you around a little bit. Let me put a cigarette on your forehead. I'm going to show Betty how I handle my biz. Give me a couple wire, wire hangers so I can do this right. Hold my drink. Uh, exactly. <laughs> now, Betty Davis's daughter, B.D. Merrill, I think her name was, who was right. in this movie, wrote her own tell-all while Betty Davis was still alive. Ooh, Basically, bold. Yes, bold, bold as brass. Now, she's, she didn't say abuse, but it was a lot of, like, uh, you know, my mom's a drunk and, you know, was rude to me on occasion. I don't know. <laughs> she she could be gruff. I think the other big thing is she was absent and she was going through yes. husbands left and right. Right. Which is which is true of Joan Crawford as well. Right. Do you go back? I mean, frankly, it's a Hollywood thing. These people get married five times. Yeah. Oh, they get married for six months here, divorce, get married two years there, divorce. They all do it like that for some bizarro reason. Honestly, people who get divorced after six months, that blows my mind. Did you did you meet at the wedding or you couldn't even pull it into your first anniversary? It's a sad situation. Was he hiding bodies under in the basement? I mean, uh, I don't even get that. That blows my if mind. If he is, that's cause for divorce. It is. I cause. think it's, it's a good rule. Maybe not in Florida. In but. most, <laughs> in, in at most least of thirty the northern states. <laughs> wah, wah. Now, I, I mean, I didn't see this, but in the the TV show, they talked about how Joan Crawford found the book and was the original driving force. For having this movie made. I heard some scuttlebutt about this was supposed to be 
empowering for the women because we're older, or at least that's how they they sold it or something. But then in the end, in the movie, I'm going to tell you, the director put it out, would whisper things to each of them to really turn them against each other to get Kind that. of a Stanley Kubrick-y yeah. kind of move. If basically. Stanley Kubrick was also effing one of the uh, actors. Well, what they said was they couldn't get parts anymore yeah. because of their age. So Joan Crawford basically found these roles, found this book. It was a book for, it was a movie. Um, and kind of championed it, found a director, and then he went at and, and basically made it happen. No one wanted to make a movie where the main characters are two 50-something women at well, that time. Well, if that's true, she was 100% right, because it's a classic. It is a classic. classic. Now, they wanted to make it in color, but Betty Davis said it should be in black and white, because if it was in color, she said it would make a sad story look pretty. And that's that she was oh. opposed to that. Well, they're all they were black and white stars too, so it's kind of appropriate that it's black and white. I thought I'd never questioned that. Right. Um, let's see. What's interesting? I read about the the, the show Feud that um, there's uh, they've obviously hired uh, famous actresses of today to play these older characters, and Catherine Zeta Jones was playing Olivia De Havilland. Who still who was still alive at the time, by the way, which is crazy. To, she may still be alive now, for all I know. Good lord, you could be watching um, this right now. She could be listening. Uh, so she, Catherine Zeta, did not go talk to Olivia De Havilland, but she did go talk to Kirk Douglas, who was still alive at the time, to get his impressions of Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. And his his response was basically, "Betty Davis, oh Betty." You know, she, uh, you know, what a broad kind of move like that. Basically, like, you know, my kind of lady kind of thing. But when he asked what she was, he was asked about Joan Crawford. He's like, she was effing nuts. <laughs> <laughs> At 95 years old, these are his recollections. So I want to read go. his book. You should. <laughs> Hollywood Dearest, by the way. I don't know. I mean. <laughs> They're all crazy swinging jackasses, but I would love to just hear the unvarnished truth. The unvarnished well, they, they actually truth. say there was also some rivalry because what, one of them was educated and classy. The other one was working class. There were always right. these things, but uh, who who's to say who started the feud? If, right. if, if it existed or it was made up for the story or did the director create all of this? You know, it is it just a rivalry? Is it just a rivalry between two actresses of about the same age who are going after the same parts? Yeah, I mean, it can and, be as until as we that. got to this. Until we got to this, and then and right. then they they really started finding each other irritating as they each tried to hog the spotlight. Well, what's funny is uh, Betty Davis was nominated for the role, which. Like I said, kind of makes sense. It's the flashier, you know, uh, kind of role than kind of the more understated role that Joan Crawford was playing. But the the gooch is that Joan Crawford went to all the other nominees and said, hey, if you can't make it, if you win and you can't make it to the Academy Awards, I'd be happy to accept the award on your behalf. Just And that's what wound thing. up happening. And Bancroft won. And Joe Crawford basically pushed Betty Davis aside and went up on stage and accepted the award for Anne Bancroft <laughs> for, the, for, the, for the miracle worker. Nasty. nasty. That's a gooch. That's, that's, a, a gooch. That's, a, that's a good Hollywood gooch story. Yeah. No question. Cause I mean, that's not just F you. That's like, I'm going to do it in front of the world. I want the Thank world you, to know. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no question. Shall we talk about the cast? Indeedly do. Well, we talked about most. Of we kind of talked about the cast. Joan Crawford. Uh, I mean, these are. You pretty much can't go wrong with these ladies. If you want to watch old uh, Hollywood movies, just throw on anything by either one of them. Joan it's Crawford. Fantastic. Uh, played Blanche Hudson. She died at the age of 72 in 1977. Famously, she was in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. She won an Academy Award for Mildred Pierce. I love Mildred uh, Pierce. She's such a victim in that with her snotty daughter. 
She was in The Damned Don't Cry. You know that one? No, that might have been one of her later bullshit. She was in Torch Song. All sorts of stuff. I'm not going to read their entire resume. No, no. Betty Davis. What are your your top Betty Davis? Betty Davis played Baby Jane Hudson. She died at the age of 81 in 1989. You know her from All About Eve? Which yeah, I oh, she I won love the Academy that. Award for that as well. Absolutely, she was amazing in that, of course. Playing uh, she was in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Yeah, Dark Victory. Saw Dark Victory. That's where she's blind and like a spinsterly lady. Now Voyager. Oh, maybe that's you Now Voyager. Anyway, I've seen both of them. One of them, she's blind. Uh, growing up, the only thing I knew about Betty Davis is. She's got Betty Davis eyes. Very topical reference in 1984. Well, they'd always uh, be like a Betty Davis character in the old Bugs Bunny because she would have giant eyes. Right. You can't hide God, your giant <laughs> Before anime, I'm going to put this rumor out that all the anime with the giant eyes are really Betty Davis eyes. No question. Uh, let's see. Victor Buono played the bizarre accompanist Edwin Flagg. He He was was always a villain on Wild Wild West. Yeah. He was in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. He was, he was in Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Booyah! He was in uh, Robin and Marion. He was in Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. Yeah. All sorts of good So stuff. everybody liked everybody except for Joan. Apparently, everybody kept working. They gave Joan the heave ho, which I think is a mistake. Everybody, everybody. Any? Do you, do you want to know about any of the other cast members? Otherwise, I'm just going to. What did Elvira do? Elvira was played by Mady Norman. You know her. She died in 1998 at the age of 85. She was in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. She was in Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. What? She was Nurse Agnes. Holy what? crap. Yay. Yes. She was the she was the much older African-American nurse that Tom Atkins throws a move at in the hallway. Hey, if only I'd met you sooner. You got to watch. Uh- Oh, yay! Good times. She was in Airport 77. She was in Policewoman. Sorry, Angie Dickinson. Uh She's obviously the biggest star of the show, as far as I'm concerned. Clearly. Clearly blows away Joan and Betty. Clearly! (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That that just made my day. Let's go ahead and look at the ratings, shall we? What are the ratings? It's a classics don't say anything else <laughs> whatever happened to baby jane currently has 92 percent certified fresh as it should good times let's look look uh see what we got some top critics here they must have a million top critics i couldn't find anything by rex reed but maybe something will pop up here rex reed clearly never reviewed a movie peter bradshaw from the guardian it's still vivid, barnstorming stuff. Three out of five. What? First of all, like a barnstorming. Barnstorming. We're still throwing around like lingo from the Great Depression. Is that what it is? Who knows what barnstorming is that are currently going to movies these days? Can't be good. Uh, that's about it. All these reviews are from fairly recently. I mean, within yeah. the last 20 years. So I, I don't see anybody else. Very sad. So. What is your rating for whatever happened to baby Jane? Oh, I'm going to give it four and a half bottles of whiskey mixed with gin topped with a touch of crazy out of five. Uh, I'm going to give it four out of five hammers to the back of the head when you shouldn't have left that hammer there. That's what you get. That's That's what you you get. (laughs) I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a great deal. The performances were really good. Um, Were you surprised that you liked it? No. I mean, I I knew it was kind of a, a classic. Um, I have to say I didn't find it scary. 
No, I mean, it's more like uh, you're locked in the house with crazy people. They're not coming to eat your livers or anything, but it's it's more like suspenseful. It it has a good, it has that good suspense that you're looking for. Um, I I think it's good for the whole family, unless they have a problem with seeing a dead rat and a dead parakeet on the platter. So many tomatoes, so many tomatoes. Well, you, you could have eaten the tomatoes, Blanche. In uh, Baby Jane's defense, but that's neither here nor there. I used to be grossed out because when she brings out the parakeet on the platter of tomatoes, there's a big blop of mayonnaise right at the bird's tail. And I always thought that was like poop or something because it was like it was right by the butt and the tail feathers go on beyond it. So as a kid, I was like, oh, is that poo? Well, and the other thing is when she it's mayonnaise. It, well, you hope when <laughs> when she delivers that ra- the rat on the platter, she's like, oh, by the way, Blanche, we have rats in the uh, cellar. And she lifts it up. That was a GD possum. That thing was freaking huge. Dude, it's it filled LA, the whole man. platter. It's Ellie. Don't you remember the story of the, the giant ants? It's, it's just That's one what step it is. away. Valley of the Ants or Kingdom of the Valley. Ants or something like that. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> the, the rats of Hancock Park. Exactly, oh, and that house is exactly the same way it is. The inside was a set, but the exterior is exactly the same. Makes sense to me. So, thank you very much. Go to our page on Twitter at tpodcast Die. Go to our page on Facebook at the podcast that wouldn't die. Aaron, are we still on Instagram? Indeedly do. If the hackers stay away, how come I have to keep changing the account, bad people? I don't even know if I really have to change the account. It's this Facebook thing. It's a Facebook versus Instagram versus Twitter freak out. And it's driving me crazy. But yes, we are. We are the podcast that wouldn't die. At least we were 10 minutes ago. Can I say something else that Facebook you know, whatever your political persuasion is, it sucks just in general. Cause I swear to God, it's 99% just ads or suggested for you. Just give me my friends, the people that I follow. It's like, you can't do that anymore. It's 99% ads and suggested for you's. Well, the, the worst part is now they've redid it. So you can't just click recent, which is what I would do. Right. So now I see this, I, I, I look at five posts and then it's a post from yesterday. So that right. I just stop. So are you telling me nobody I know out of the 300 people I know, no, nobody has posted anything. It's just ads. Yeah, right. you're 100%. It, so I, I don't know. It makes me so angry because I always skip the default. It never lets you default to just to reset. reset. That's I, all I want to see the flow. Yeah. Right. I mean, on totally. my birthday, you didn't. you don't even get to see that people have posted to you. It doesn't even alert you half the time. So three well, days later, I'm like, algorithm. oh. It could have no, just but been like three days, shut, shut your mouth. <laughs> it was just like later. I had to like go my name and see what is on my wall. It, it just that didn't show up naturally. You can email us at the podcast that wouldn't die at Gmail. Gmail. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere the finer podcasts are available. So don't forget to like, share, rate, and review, won't you? Won't you please? Won't you Are you on social media? What's your social media? Much social, much media. I am on the Insta. I am the cult of Aaron. Join the cult. I am Don't Feed the Pigeon on the Instagram I'm on the Twitski. I uh, also sell uh, my Polaroid photography on Artsy, Aaron Doherty, and First Dibs, Aaron Doherty. Buy yourself something and send me some money. Next week, we're discussing the horror, or horror. It's not a horror movie. Oh, it's, oh, a, it's a horror show, you son How of a. It's It's ostensibly a comedy with a splash of science fiction because it's time travel. We're watching Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure starring Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, George Carlin. It's an all-star cast. So check that out. You can watch it for free on Amazon Prime if that does it for you without, oh, I guess you need a subscription. So it's not really free. No, I watched it on like Tubi 
And it's just the same ads over and over. It's like only one person has bought ads on Tubi and you have to watch it over and over and over again. Until your head falls off. It's on Roku, Hoopla, Tubi, Canopy, and Pluto TV. So whichever ads you prefer, check that out. So we will discuss it. If you have any thoughts, feelings, comments, or questions, send them to us. And perhaps we'll talk about them on the show like we do every week. (laughs) Crickets. So there you go. Thank you very much. And be well. Bye, children. Hopefully you're not burning to death like we are here in California. It's like a, a nuclear winter here. Thank you. Bye.